Well, before my wife and I got married, there was a sport on TV that I never, ever watched. I thought it was the most boring sport, and I didn't even understand how anybody could even watch it on TV. And it's so often the case, as many of you know, when you get married, that the person you marry is just completely the opposite. And so my wife absolutely loves and has a passion for baseball. And her favorite team is the Angels. And so being a good husband, when we got married, I sat down and started watching the games with her. And she started telling me more and more about how baseball worked and what the strategy was. And as she started telling me more and more about how it worked, I became more and more excited about the game. In fact, she would soon have to quiet me down because when, for example, Mike Trout would get a home run, I'd be like, yes, you know, because I was so happy to see them get a home run. I just really, really got into the game. But as what happened uh, last year a lot with the Angels is that they were doing really good and I was excited and screaming and yelling with joy and they would get to like the seventh inning, they would be ahead and then all of a sudden they would start blowing it. And they would end up so often, too often, end up losing the game. Now, that type of joy that I had when they would get a home run, that's a type of joy that I would call fleeting joy. It is joy that's here right now and gone the next. It's joy that's dependent on the circumstances. But what I want to talk about this morning is a different type of joy, a joy that Jesus talks about in the Bible. And Jay spoke about this joy about a month ago when he spoke in a message. And he said, and I quote, he said, When we really believe God, when we believe what God's word really says, we are the happiest people in the entire world. Now, I wonder for all of us, Would that characterize you? Would you say, I am one of the happiest people in the entire world? Would others who look at your life say, yes, that is one of the happiest people in the entire world? In fact, I'll even ask you, do you really believe that you can be one of those people? Well, today we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look about what Jesus says about how we can be the happiest people in the world how we can have that joy inside of us, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in our lives. So what I'd like you to do is open up your Bibles, and we're going to look at John chapter 15, verse 11. It's page 902 in your pew Bibles. And as we turn there, let me just give you sort of a context of where we are in the Advent season. We we are in the third week, and the first week we had... Jeff speak about hope. The second week, Jay spoke about peace. We're speaking about joy this week. And then next week, Jeff will close it off talking about love. So let's take a look at our passage. It's John 15, 11. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let me read that again. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, when I came in a couple weeks ago, we had put up, as I think a lot of you have seen now, these four different paintings. 
and Jeff described them. They represent our different themes for Advent. So in the far left, we have hope. Next, we have peace. Then we have joy. And then we have love. Now, when I looked at this painting to the right of the cross about joy, and I had already selected the passage that I was going to speak about today, I looked at that painting and I said, that painting beautifully represents what Jesus talks about in this passage. Because he says that his joy, and the joy is represented as water flowing down here, he says his joy, he wants it to come in us, so that vessel represents our lives. He wants that joy to come in us, and he wants it to become full inside of us. And what I love about this painting is the painting even sort of goes a step further. Because what happens when something gets full and you pour more in? It spills out. So how many of us really want lives of joy like this? I think all of us, yeah. I see a few hands, <laughs> okay? So we're going to learn today about what Jesus says about joy. And what is great about Jesus, our Savior, is that he likes to just not say, be joyful. He wants to tell us about how we can be joyful. And he does that here. In fact, if you look at John 15, 11, he says, these things I have spoken to you. So he's already telling us, if you want to know how to have that joy that looks like that in your life, that's going to be full, he's just told us how to do it. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to briefly go back and take a look at some of the things that Jesus has told us and how that relates to the joy and how we can have this type of joy in our life. So I want you to turn back, and one thing I want to invite you to do as we go through this message today, keep your Bibles on your laps, keep them open, because we're going to be jumping around with some different verses here in chapter 14 and 15. So I want you to go back to chapter 14, and let me give you a little context. Jay opened up last week uh, on the subject of my piece, and Jay talked about how the section that we're in right now, chapters actually 13 through 17, is what is called the farewell discourse. And it's aptly called that because these are the last words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And most likely, they're in the upper room when most of this conversation takes place. And what is happening is these disciples, just to be blunt, they're freaking out. And they're starting to hear Jesus talk about that he's going to go away. And they have no idea what he's talking about. And for example, if you take a look at the very end of chapter 13, Peter, and Peter's one of these guys who he is the first one to speak up, the first one to stick his foot in his mouth. And if you look at what Peter does here in verse, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 37, Peter says, Lord, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to be going away. And what does Peter say? Ah, no, you can't do that, Lord. Why can I not follow you now? And Jesus is saying, you can't follow him. Peter's saying, I'll lay down my life for you. Well, the irony is, is that in just a few hours, it's not going to be Peter who's going to lay down his life for Jesus. It's going to be Jesus who's going to lay down his life for Peter. Jesus is going to be laying down his life for all of us for the forgiveness of sins. And so you can just sort of feel the tension of these disciples wondering what is happening. And so as we turn to chapter 14, look at the very first verse. And you know, when I read that verse, as many times as I've read it over the last couple of weeks, 
I go, this is a verse for us today. This can, let's hear Jesus talk to us today and say this to each of us personally. Because with all that's going on in the world, all that's going on right here in our backyard, this is a verse we need to hear. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't we all need to hear that today? And what Jesus is going to now go on and describe is why our hearts should not be troubled. And so what happens is he starts continuing this discussion with the disciples. They still are not understanding yet what is going on. Looking at this painting again, we're going to look at three things about what Jesus says. First of all, he says, my joy. So we're going to try to look at what does he mean by my joy? Then we're going to look at, he says he wants his joy in us, in you, he says. And we're going to try to understand what does he mean by that? And the final thing is, how does that joy get in us? How does it really practically flow into our lives? And so as you take a look at chapter 14, this discussion, this concern is still going on with the disciples where they're saying, where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? Well, Thomas continues that discussion. And Thomas says in verse 5, he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas wants to know the way. I've been down here now for about two years, maybe a little over two years. And one of the things I noticed is when I came down here, when I would want to type in and try to get to a destination that I didn't know how to get to, which I'm still doing these days. In fact, what do we do? We can't get, we don't know how to get somewhere. What do we use today? Google Maps. And we type in the destination on our phone. And what I noticed down here, as opposed to up in the Bay Area, where you type in a destination and maybe a couple things come up. Down here, you type in a destination, you have all these different options about how to get to where you're going. Well, that's a lot about what Jesus is to like, what Jesus is going to address here. Because for us, we tend to think there's a lot of different ways to God, or there's a lot of different ways that we can have joy in our lives. So we might say, well, you know, if I just get that new car, if I just get that raise at work, if I just, my baseball team wins a few more often, I can get that joy. Or sometimes we maybe find not so good ways to find joy in our life. So maybe, for example, we drink too much alcohol. We self-medicate in some form. Or we end up trying to find love in all the wrong places. All those different paths, we can say, well, I'm trying to find that joy. But all those different paths are going to offer joy. At the very least, that's just fleeting. That's dependent on our circumstances. And Jesus wants to find joy that transcends those circumstances. In fact, joy that can even maybe fill us up even more so when we're going through difficult times. When Thomas asks this question, show us the way, what, which way do we go? How does Jesus answer? Well, Jesus answers with what I'm going to say is probably the most radical, revolutionary, and controversial statement still today that Jesus has ever spoken. Because what does he say in verse 6? He says, responding to Thomas, he says, I, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When it comes to joy, 
Jesus is also saying there is no one who's going to offer you that joy except what he says in verse 11 we looked at. It is his joy. An illustration about how we might confuse the way with the person as an example of this would be, let's think of the Sawdust Festival, for example. So let's say I'm going into the Sawdust Festival and I think, okay, I want to go find a really nice person who can take portraits of my family, really beautiful portraits. And so I walk up and I go up to Nikki's booth and I say, Nikki, can you do some really good portraits for me? And Nikki goes, I don't do portraits. You need to go over to Mary. Mary's. Very good. You need to go over to Mary's booth. Mary's the one who does portraits. If I go over to Mary's booth and I say, you know, Mary, I'm looking for some really beautiful paintings. Do you have any idea where I can, you have some that, I can, that you can offer? And Mary's going to say, no, I don't do that. I, I don't do, I do photographs, but I do, don't do paintings. And she might send me down just a couple and say, go to Danita's booth. She's got some really beautiful paintings. Well, if I want to find really beautiful jewelry, I go to the person who has that. I go to Nikki's booth. If I want the beautiful photographs, I go to Mary's booth. If I want the beautiful paintings, I go to Danita's booth. Jesus is saying the same thing here. He says, if you really want joy in your life, if you really want the joy that only I can offer that is going to fill you up like this, you, it's not about going all these different ways. It's about me. It's about me as the person Jesus. I am the one and I am the only one that can offer you that joy. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who is the word made flesh. He is the only one who is both human and divine. He is the only one who stilled the sea. He's the only one who fed the 5,000. He is the only one who raised Lazarus from the dead. He is the only son of God who died on the cross for all of us, offering that reconciliation back from God. And so if we want that joy in our life, it's not about going and finding all those different ways. You might find fleeting joy, but if you want the joy that fills, it's only Jesus. If you look here at this painting, I love it. It doesn't show where it's coming from, does it? Jesus just told us where it's coming from. It's coming only from him. But the second thing that Jesus then says, okay, so it's coming from me, but I don't want it just staying with me. I want it to flow into all of you who believe in me. I want to give you that joy. And so the next thing Jesus addresses is how, how do we get that joy in us? How does it get inside of us? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Take a look at chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus answers that here. Remember that he has said, I want my joy in you. So listen to what he says here. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who is whom he's talking about here, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now listen, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is now talking about what's going to happen in what's called the Pentecost. When at that time, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God that used to be just in a tabernacle and used to be in Jesus when he was here on earth, 
Now Jesus is saying, I want to continue to be with you. In fact, he says next, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And the way I'm going to do that is not by being a person you can walk around and see, not by going to a temple, but when you believe in Jesus, he now gives you that Holy Spirit, his spirit, and he puts it inside of us. The very presence of God lives inside of us. If we can really get that, everyone, if we can really understand that God loves us so much, he died on the cross for us, but he did so so he can bring his very presence inside of us. In fact, he says here in verse 23, through that spirit that lives in us now, he says, now through that spirit, I, Jesus, and the Father have made our home in you. For all of us who struggle with loneliness and unworthiness, that is a message for all of us. How much are we worth? We're worth so much. Not only did Jesus die on the cross for us, and forgive us our sins, but he is now living inside of us. And because he's in us, we now can have that joy that he now wants to pour into us. Which then leaves our final question. How does that joy get in us? And that, I think, is where sometimes as Christians we can struggle the most. Because we can say we know we're saved we know we have that relationship with God. We know we're going to heaven. We know we have that eternal life. We know we, even the Spirit lives inside of us. But my life, I don't have that joy. I don't have that relationship where I'm feeling like I'm really connected to God. What is going on? And Jesus wants to talk with us about that. He wants to tell us how now he can flow that into us. And a good way of thinking about that is the difference between being in a relationship with someone and actually relating with someone. So for example, I am in a relationship with my wife. That relationship is called marriage. We are married. That's the type of relationship we have. But now when it comes to relating with my wife, if I'm at home, and by the way, I mean, we, she works from home, so we spend like 24 hours a day together a lot of times. Well, wow, that sounds like a lot. That's, you guys should be really close. But you know what? I can be at home like this. And I'm still married to her. I'm still in a relationship with her. But am I relating with her? Anyone? <laughs> no. If I want to relate with her, if I want to talk with her, if I want to build that relationship, what do I have to do? I have to get up and I have to look at her and I have to gaze her in my eyes. I have to talk with her. I have to carry on a conversation with her. Unless I do that, my relationship with her is not going to continue to build. And so here, this is where Jesus is saying, hey, I've given you salvation. I've given you eternal life. I've given you my spirit in you. But you know what? It doesn't just happen that our relationship keeps going on. And so Jesus now talks about in John 15, and you can go back and read at home later. Just, in fact, I invite you to read at least all of 14 to 15. This is just amazing, these chapters, because Jesus here talks about not only our salvation, but he talks about how to keep that relationship going. And the word that Jesus uses in John 15 is the word abide. So when I think about how I want to relate to my wife, 
if I need to spend time with her, and we struggle with this all the time, we keep talking about we need to go on date nights, you know, we're home all the time together, but you know, it's easy to, when you're home with each other all the time to not really communicate as much as you should. You need to get out, get away, and go spend time together. So if I want to keep that relationship going, how do I do that? And so Jesus says, well, the way you have to do that is you, as I abide in you through the Spirit, you also need to abide in me. You have a part to play. It doesn't just happen. And in John 15, Jesus uses the illustration of the, branch, of the vine and the branches to talk about how close a relationship is. But think about a vine and branches. The nutrients go back and forth between it. Okay? And you have a life that is happening between us, between us that keeps on going. If it doesn't keep going, the branch is going to die. And Jesus says you need to keep it going. So what Jesus does then in John 15, right before our verse, our passage about joy, he gives us at least three things that I want to leave with us today. Three ways that we keep that relationship going with him. And these are three ways you probably have heard before. In fact, most of us, particularly when we first became Christians, we did this a lot, but just like I can with my wife, where I can start getting lazy and not doing it, same thing with God. I can sort of start saying, you know, I know I'm saved, and, but we don't really spend the time with him. And he gives us three ways we can do that. So I want to go through those three ways with you. And it just so happens that today there is now 12 days of Christmas left. Everyone remember the song, 12 Days of Christmas? As I told the first service, I am not going to sing it to you <laughs> because then you would all leave right now, okay? Not one of my gifts at all <laughs> is, is singing or playing instruments, as we talked about. So I want to challenge you with what we're going to look at in Scripture here is three different ways in the next 12 days when you were probably thinking, no way am I going to do anything else before Christmas. I've got the shopping list. I've got all these things to do. Relatives are coming over. But I'm going to offer you three ways that are not hard for you to be able to experience this joy to come into your life. And look at verse 15, verse 7. And it has actually two of those ways in, in verse 7. Chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, notice there's back and forth, my and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, and now there's our part. My words abide in you. Jesus wants us just like when my wife's talking to me, if I'm sitting here going like this while she's talking, I'm not paying attention to her, am I? Jesus wants us to not just hear the word and just sort of casually read it or hear someone else just talk about it like I am today or preach it. He wants us to be actually in the word he wants us to pay attention to it. He wants us to constantly be paying attention to him by what he has said. These are the standard ways in which we love God and love others. And I'm going to challenge you, give you a challenge for the next 12 days. You can do this actually all in one day and just get be done with it. Okay? <laughs> or you can do it over the next 12 days. I want you to read an entire gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And I'm even going to make it easy for you. Choose Mark. It's sort of like in school, remember, you're like, the teacher would give you all these assignments. Well, which one can I do the fastest? Do Mark, because with Mark, you can read the entire, if you're a standard reader, you can read all of Mark in, are you ready, in less than an hour. You can read the entire life of Jesus in less than an hour. And probably, you have, probably many of you have not done that for a long time. 
So in the next 12 days, just pay attention to Jesus and read that, and I will tell you and listen to how he will tell you things about him and his relationship with you and bring that joy into your life through the reading of the word. The second one he says right here also in verse 7. He says, when those words are in you, now you can ask whatever you wish. What's asking? What, what is it? Praying. Praying. Exactly. Just like Jesus prays to the Father, in fact, in chapter 17, that's what he does. He prays to the Father on our behalf. He says, just like I pray to the Father for you, I want you to pray for me. And here I'm going to give you another challenge. In the next 12 days, instead of praying for yourself, pray for someone you know, someone who is really in need. Maybe it's someone that's close to you. Maybe it's even your own spouse who's struggling with some issue. Or maybe it's a health issue. Pray for that person every day for 12 days. I cannot tell you, I have been now for about six months going to morning prayer. It has been a huge blessing. And we, it's just amazing because all of you offer up those prayers. And it's a privilege to be able to take those prayers and with Jay and and all of us who are up there in morning prayer and to pray for you. But you know how you find the joy in that? Well, there's joy in just the honor of doing that. But I can't tell you, even last week, how many times in prayers you would just go, is God going to answer that? And God answers it, even better than we think. And so last week, we were a lot of times was spent in joy, praising him because he answered prayer. So for you too, if you want that joy to come in your life, be praying for someone else and just stay in that prayer. And even in just the praying, you will start experiencing that joy coming into your life. And then the last thing is what Jesus says in 15, 12. He says, this is my commandment. He starts saying, well, I've got all these commandments for you to do and be obedient, which is how we experience that joy in our life. But he breaks it down now to one single commandment. And he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than that someone lay down his life for his friend. So in the next 12 days, here's what I want you to think about doing. Every day, find someone, preferably the person you're closest to. Find someone and put them above yourself. Instead of you doing something that you wanted to do, say, you know what, instead I'm going to go call that person instead of me watching TV. Or I'm going to go do something for that person. Small little things like that. When you do that, you are taking that joy and you're actually going to overflow into someone else's life. And you know what? When you bring someone else joy, guess what happens? You experience that joy yourself. So over the next 12 days, read the Gospel of Mark. Pray every day for someone else and put someone else above yourself. And I will, I will say God will bring you that joy. That joy of Jesus will flow into you and my hope and prayer for all of us this season is that you will have a joy of jesus filling you so much that that joy is going to overflow unto others and so i want to leave you with a benediction this is actually from jude uh, the last couple verse uh, past, uh, verses of jude right before revelation it's a little book before revelation and it says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory, how with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, right now, and forever. Amen.